Wolf, get away from those sheep. Bollocks. You're listening to the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. Broadcasting from Fort Worth in the great state of Texas. Now, get ready for this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Welcome to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Today we have with us Kevin Ross. Kevin, glad you could join us today. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, Kevin, your nickname, The Soul Assassin, did you get that from a Mortal Kombat character? Or how did you come up with that? <laughs> I didn't come up with it. Uh, you know, I've always I've always felt like if you give yourself your own nickname, that's kind of cheating. Um, so that was actually given to me my very first professional fight, which was in Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, I don't even remember when that was, like 15 years ago or something. So I had this crazy uh, battle with the local champion um ended up knocking him out it was this bloody you know it was like a lot of my fights actually but um it was just one of like many of them it was me walking forward uh dealing with a lot of damage continuing to go forward you know he keeps thinking he's hurting me again and knock me out and i just keep going and breaks him down uh you just see his kind of soul getting taken out of his body and this older gentleman after i got out of the ring Kind, kind of in his own broken English, said that that's what my nickname should be. He said it seemed like you killed his soul, um, like you took all the fight out of him. And 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 again, because of the way I fight, that just really stuck and, and, and resonated with me. I was like, because for myself, even prior to that, I've always felt like that's, that's more of a motivation to me than to knock somebody out. I, I feel like Anybody can get knocked out at any time for any number of reasons. Whereas making somebody quit, taking the fight out of them, that takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of skill, a lot of determination, a lot of I'm willing to go farther than you are. And I feel that that is something that I've always held as as one of my strengths and what has allowed me to progressed to the level that I've gotten to, particularly after starting so late, not having as much experience as a lot of these guys. That is something I've always been able to hold on to. It's like, I know that I'm willing to go farther than you. Um, I also know that I've probably done way more than than anyone to prepare myself uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. And um, at, at a certain stage, especially once you've um, you know, everybody evens out at a certain skill level and then experience comes into play and certain strengths and and weaknesses come into play. But I feel like that is one thing that uh, is really on the individual, like how far they are willing to push it, what they're willing to go through uh, and deal with and and keep going forward. So that really, um, you know, stuck with me that he said that. And and again, just the way that I fight and my natural way of going about things it really uh, solidified over the years and it just became that thing but yeah it was, uh, that's that's where it came from so kind of going into that like you you talk about i mean you could arguably take anybody and give them the training and do all that but kind of going mm-hmm. into that soul assassin part is kind of yeah. that mental game right and you kind of sure. you kind of said to yourself hey I'm, I'm playing the mental game maybe a little better than the next guy how much does that mental factor really truly play into the fighting sports uh i would say it's 
to a degree, it's everything. Um, if you don't have it mentally, your physicality and everything else eventually is going to uh, collapse in on you. You know, eventually you're going to have a bad day. Eventually you're going to have not a great performance. Eventually you're going to get caught. Eventually you're going to be sick. Uh, and if you don't have it mentally, if you're, if you're not willing to push yourself through those moments, um, that's where a lot of that falls apart. And that's why I, I find and have found that a lot of naturally gifted people um, end up not, not making it very far. They, they, they limit themselves because they haven't had to develop a lot of these other uh, skills that the people who aren't as naturally gifted are forced to develop. You know, you're forced to um, overcompensate in other areas where many of these people just don't typically the more naturally gifted you are, the less hard you're going to work because it does come easier to you. And unless you're uh, unless you have that work ethic instilled in you, you're, you're, you're hindering yourself in the long run. That's, that's why you very rarely, if ever see someone who is naturally gifted, who is also an incredibly hard worker. And when you do though, that's when you find the, the greatest of all times. That's where you get the, the Mayweathers, the Michael Jordans, uh, Etc. They've they've combined both of those factors. It's not just talent in itself, because talent is one of the cheapest things that there is. If talent isn't coupled with work ethic and discipline and, and every other factor, then it's it's a waste of time. I, I would I, I would take one not talented person over a hundred talented people any day of the week. Yeah. Now, um, you actually started pretty late. I think were you twenty three yeah, when you really, really kind of started? I mean. My no, that's when I not really kind of that is when yeah. I started that. Uh, yeah. And for a for a martial artist, for a professional fighter, that's almost ancient. I mean, a lot of a lot of these guys, especially like the ties. I mean, by the time they're in their late 20s, that's kind of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my my martial arts career was begun and ended by then i say career uh, i kind of mean the subscription i paid to the local dojo for uh, <laughs> them allowing me to come and get the crap kicked out of me twice a week but you know yeah, I, taught, I toyed with a you know a wadaru and shotokan karate and then i moved on to tai chi for the um kind of spiritual and balancing benefits and where I, somebody wasn't trying to kick my nose off my face but yeah. um why did it take you so long to get started? Was it something you had an interest in and you just kept putting it off, putting it off? Or was it just yeah. something which clicked yeah. with you later on? Um, definitely was putting it off. I I learned about the sport in 94. So I was 14 years old, the first time I ever saw Muay Thai. Prior to that, I always had a fascination with, with fighting, with boxing, in particular, martial arts movies. I was very intrigued by, um, I often thought about trying boxing out at some point, but I really did love martial arts. I wanted, I wanted to kick people. <laughs> I wanted to elbow people. I wanted to do all that too. And, um, you know, there wasn't really any fighting when it came to martial arts. There was forms, there was uh, point sparring, that kind of thing, which, you know, is, is, is its own element as well. And I've, I have nothing but respect for those guys. But when I would see like a boxing fight, I'm like, why isn't there a martial arts fighting like that? You know, why, why isn't that there? Um, you know, this was, you know, before UFC and everything else came uh, to popularity. So it was just kind of something I kept in the back of my mind, like, yeah, I'll try it out sometime. Maybe I'll find some martial art that is cool to do, but you know, it doesn't have any fighting. So I didn't have really a ton of motivation. 
uh, also growing up in Vegas and, and the way that I came up just partying and drinking and everything else. I mean, I was basically a full blown alcoholic by the time I was 18, like physically dependent alcoholic. So that was a huge hindrance in me ever doing it, particularly because I didn't really take myself too seriously anyway about it. So it was just kind of like, yeah, it's a, it's a dream. It's never going to happen. So um, just go back to drinking and keep drowning, uh, keep drowning these desires. And, but every, every time that I would see a, a fight, it would just trigger that, that desire again. And uh, I would almost have to suppress it even more so the next time and the next time. And eventually I felt like I had just gotten rid of it and it was just gone. It was like, yeah, it just, it's such a crazy idea. Like that's so stupid. So anytime it would pop up me like this is stupid, it's not going to happen. But it was, I, I knew that it was always there. You know, it's just something that I was ignoring. And I think a, a lot of the uh, things that I was doing was almost to suppress a lot of that, you know, a lot of that natural um, instinctual desire to do something that's difficult and that I knew was going to be hard. And I knew what I would have to do in order to even go after it. I wasn't willing to do, I wasn't willing to face all these fears and doubts and limitations or perceived limitations I felt that I had. Um, so I just, I just kind of buried it. And um, one of my best friends, actually, he was the only person I had ever even told this to. He, we were up drinking one night and he, he asked me just a question like about what I wanted to do, like something I want to do when I got older. And I, I for whatever reason, told him that um, thinking he was going to laugh about it. I always thought everyone would laugh. That's why I never told anybody. And, He's like, you can do it. He's like, why don't you do it? And, you know, I told him all my reasons for it, but uh, you know, he, he 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 instilled a sense of belief in me that I'd never felt before. You know, and even if it was momentary, that always stuck with me. And then a couple of years later, he actually ended up passing away. Uh, he was born with a heart defect and needed a transplant, and it just didn't happen. And you know, when he passed, I. I, in that moment, I promised myself that I would go after this. So I was like, if I can't do it for myself, I can at least do it for him. He didn't get to live. He didn't even get to fail at a dream. I can at least go after it for the, cause I have to live for both of us. Um, but unfortunately with his passing, I went even further down this dark road I was on. And it wasn't until about two years later and multiple friends passing away, my, myself almost uh, dying numerous times and getting locked up. Um, I just, I just had like a, a wake up call. I was like, if my friend was still alive right now, he'd beat the f shit out of me. You know, like, what are you doing? You've, you wasted so much of your life already. And now after promising that you would go after this for your friend who died, you still haven't done it. And I just couldn't ignore it any longer. And, um, you know, after having a conversation with my father about uh, a big, an another reason I had was financially, I just, there was just no way, like, I can't afford to do this. Like I could take classes. And I was like, if I have to, I could do that. But I, I, I knew how far behind I was already. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to get proper training, professional training. I need to be taking privates as often as possible, because that's why I'm doing this. I'm doing this to get in the ring, not just to train and try out this martial art. I, I was very uh, clear on why I wanted to do this. So he, he made a deal with me that if I quit drinking, he would pay for all my training. And I was drinking a 40 at the time, poured out to 40 and was in the gym two days later. And that was January, January, 2003. Now, um, as you started so late, do you feel you missed out 
on anything because obviously, you know, when you practice the technique from an early age, mm. um, you know, you can learn what type of style suits you, work yeah. towards having kind of signature moves and stuff. But, you know, starting wow. training at 23, you know, that that's quite an age to get started in something where you haven't even got your feet wet because you're going straight into honey badger mode when you join in yeah. at 23 and go straight into... Yeah straight into that form of martial arts i mean do you, sure. do you think anything would have been any different if you started training at like 12 or 15 uh you know i look back and i think about that um one in many ways starting later was actually a benefit because i saw a lot of people that started early but then they had to go through their teenage years they had to go through their partying years they had to go through the years of not really certain what they wanted to do Whereas when I started, it was it was all in, all or nothing. Every moment of every day was dedicated to getting in the ring as soon as possible. I didn't waste any time kind of half-assing it, you know, and just, just playing around with it. So I, I skipped a lot of those, I would say, wasted years. Certainly, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't able to develop the way they do, like in Thailand, where it's like, you're starting at eight years old and you're starting this to be a fighter. Uh, and I would say that's kind of a different circumstances. Rarely anywhere else in the world is that going to be the case anyway. You know, you, you are going to have those kind of playing around years. And certainly there's a level of uh, development that that comes with. But I do feel that it, it can hinder you in other ways, too, particularly if this isn't really what you want to be doing. Um, I also look at it in the same way as if I had started at 13, I'd probably be I probably would have been done before things really started progressing here uh, in the States. You know, I would have put my time in, probably had a couple of fights, but like the generation before me, I mean, it was bad when I started. It was, it was so much worse uh, 10 years prior to that. I mean, when I started, it was, it was such an underground, unheard of sport, no publicity, nobody knew about it. Everyone's like, why don't you do MMA? Why are you doing this? Why don't you do boxing? So it was already pretty, pretty uh, um, um, unheard of to do at the time. Um, so, so again, to start even earlier than that, I, I don't necessarily know if I'd be in a better or worse place than I am now. So I don't, I don't feel like looking back and thinking, what if I would have done something earlier? It's necessarily helpful because who's to say you would be in a better place? No, nobody can. Um, I really do feel like I started at a at a time when because of my late start i had a fire in me that could never go out i was like i know i wasted 23 years of my life that i could have been doing this and i didn't so there was every every loss i had every injury i had every setback i had it was like so what so what it doesn't matter you have to keep going you're so far behind you're never ever going to reach the levels you could so you need to be doing everything perfect, everything humanly possible to do this. So I do feel like that really drove me to success um, where a lot of people probably didn't have that same drive um, and, and really reason behind what they're doing, whereas I did. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Can you take somebody like me who knows very little about mixed martial arts or UFC or any of that. I mean, basically everything I know about martial arts, I learned by watching the karate kid. I mean, I'm, I'm that guy, right? So can you explain to the listeners what, 
Muay Thai is like it, what <laughs> what the difference of that versus the other martial arts and what Muay Thai is. Yeah. So Muay Thai is the national sport of Thailand. So basically Muay Thai in Thailand is what baseball is in America or football or any other national sport. It, it is their national sport. Um, it was a originally um, a, uh, what do you, combat, like military, military training. Um, and that's how I used to fight, especially when they used to fight hand to hand. It used to be very different back in the day. Um, whereas once they started developing more into a sport and then, um, it kind of came up the same way that Western boxing did first bare knuckle and they kind of did wraps and they went to really, really tiny gloves and really long rounds. And so it's something that's developed over, uh, thousands of years, but, but as they, uh, uh, progressed and it became more of a sport than other countries started being involved. And we, we were, we are one of the last countries to really get this sport. So we, we are like infants in the uh, Muay Thai world. Um, you know, particularly when I was coming up to, to, I mean, America was looked at as a joke, like you're a joke. It, like you're, you're such a toddler. Like, well, you can't, you can't compete over here. Like there's nobody. And even, even any foreigners there were so few foreigners who have ever really pushed it to the extent of uh gaining credibility in thailand like a handful of them you know ramon deckers rob Kamen, um guys like that and you know that was in the that was in the 90s so then um even then it was like one or two from each country maybe if that um, and then so when i was coming up there were a couple people here who had, who had definitely made a name for themselves in, in the States, but very not, I, I would say almost not exist, non-existent internationally, you know, just wasn't something that you did or, or could do unless you were just willing to like go over there and find out <laughs> what's going on, you know, and, uh, uh, the training over here, it was very limited still is, um, most places it becomes one of those. Yeah. We teach Muay Thai here, but it's just ta Taekwondo with shorts on, you know, it's not, it's not Muay Thai. Uh, in some, some ways it's even worse now because now people just watch stuff on YouTube and they're like, yeah, I can teach that. I know Muay Thai and they write Muay Thai on the door because, more people know what it is now, particularly with uh, MMA gaining popularity and a lot of those guys training in Muay Thai. Um, you know, that that's something that people use for promotion now, where before you wouldn't, you know, we would never even put that out there. It's like, nobody knows what that is. What's the point? Um, so yeah, Muay Thai is, it is similar to kickboxing. And as I was coming up, that was, there was such a painful thing to say, like, yeah, it's like kickboxing, but it's not at all. It's not even the same. So it's, you almost don't want to say that because um, kickboxing in a lot of ways is a watered down version. Although it's, it's like comparing the rugby and football, like they're not the same sport. They're not even close to why even bother saying that they're the same. They, they do similar things. Um, so kickboxing is just kicks and punches. Um, usually there's no clinch, never there's elbows. Um, so Muay Thai is uh, kicks, punches, there is the clench, uh, which is like Greco-Roman wrestling with knees and elbows as well. Um, so that's basically uh, Muay Thai. And then it's similar to boxing scoring-wise, although, uh, I mean, we do here. That's kind of how we score. Whereas in like Thailand, they give a lot more 
credibility. <laughs> Sorry, my buzzer. Credibility to uh, kicks and elbows over punches. Are, whereas, are like, you sure oh, you're not oh, lying oh, right oh, there? And you, you know, you, you got the dog in the background oh, saying, "Shut up, you're lying." <laughs> Yeah, they're, fact, they're, they're fact, fact checking. checking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, got yeah. your dog fact checker right yeah, it's there. Be, it's better That's than most fact checkers. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it, it's similar to that with uh, with uh, what's going on? Hey, hey. hi. Hi. <laughs> we have a guest. <laughs> Hello. How are you guys? We're good. In the middle of an interview, woman. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's I don't right. mean to interrupt. I just got done from work. That's okay. It's nice to see you guys. And you too. Yep. Very bad chicken dinner if you want that. Now, you're, you're, that. you're 40 or 41 now, Kevin? 41, yeah. Yeah. Now, when you were growing up, right, obviously, by the end of the 80s, early 90s, representation of martial arts wasn't quite as bad as it was, you know, like 70s, early 80s, because then it, yeah. it was very yeah. difficult to tell the difference between, you know, a superhero and a martial artist, how it is represented in TV and movies. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the video games came in right from Street Fighter and everything else. Uh-huh. And it amazed me actually how long it took for it to get really popular, given how much more interesting it was to kind of uh, watch than boxing at the time. You know, I mean, I think, you know, it's amazing what Dana White has done you know, with UFC and where he's taking it. But was it a shock to you that it just took so long for something which you felt would have, even if it had come out, you know, mid-80s, you know, early 90s, would have had an instant audience, and yet it took such a long time to really gain ground and reach the mainstream, you know, audience? Uh, Yes and no. I kind of, I I would say I, I understood it to a degree. I mean, most people don't remember. Some people don't know at all, like in the early 90s kickboxing in the states was it was enormous i mean they had kickboxing at caesar palace just like they had regular boxing it was on espn they were having sold out crowds um but then it kind of fizzled out i think uh, for a lot of reasons i think that a lot of other martial arts were trying to jump on this bandwagon but then it became this kind of hokey thing and then with the movies and stuff it almost became fake in a lot of ways not this genuine sport like uh boxing is and and it kind of they kind of ruined it in a lot of ways so i think because of that it it left a a bad taste in in people's mouths so when other martial arts were coming up even when the ufc was coming up that i think that was something they um, had to fight against and then that's where they started relying more on the blood sport aspect of it which helped to gain popularity in a lot of ways but it also hindered them in a lot of ways with you know, the politicians doing politicians who like, oh, this is this is human cockfighting and this is a blood sport. And then, you know, they 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 realized what what avenues they, they could and couldn't take. And through through um, learning all that, uh, they kind of figured out how they could promote this in a um, sporting way, as opposed to this is just people killing each other. Um, but even in that, you know, there it's not really something you can replicate what what the UFC had to do. I mean, they were out of business basically. And they just happened to have the, the, the right show with the right fighters, the right personalities, the right fight happened at the right time with the right people watching. And from that point, it catapulted them to where they are today. But to say, Oh, all you got to do is what fail at something for 20 years. And eventually you're going to figure out how to do it. It's not something that can be replicated. Even um, I would say success in anything. It's not something that can truly be replicated. You can, 
use guidance um, from somebody else's journey, but it's such a unique thing that um, you can't like, you can't do what I did in order to be successful in this sport. And I wouldn't even, I don't tell people to do what I did. There's, there's elements of it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta fight all the people that you can, you gotta get as much experience as you can, you gotta get the best training that you can, but there's, there's so many other factors that play into that. You know, it's not something you can duplicate or replicate just because somebody else did it. And that, that makes it a very, difficult and seemingly impossible thing to do like what does it what needs to happen in order for this to gain popularity a lot of things (laughs) there's not just one thing you know and then a lot of times people will come around and certain elements they will do correctly but then they'll also miss these other elements so like you'll have this amazing fight card get put on with with like the best fighters in the world but one you didn't promote it. Nobody in this country knows about this sport. So the only people that are coming are people that already know about the sport. So why did you spend all this money paying for all these high level fighters when those people would have came if it was a local show? You know, it's like, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to promote the sport to people that don't know about it. We're trying to educate people about the beauty in this art. And one of the bigger problems is most people aren't in this for the long haul and in anything you want to be successful at it, it's not just going to happen in an, I think a lot of times they try to overcompensate by putting everything on one show as if that's going to do it. It's a long, arduous process of, of failure, failing your way to success. Like in any, any, anything is, as, as you guys know, it's, you just, the only way you just have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And you have to be in it for more than what's just at the surface level, because if that's all that matters, you're, you're going to overcompensate and, eventually that's going to fall in on you and now it's all going to fall apart before you even gain any ground. So it's like we continually make these, this progression. Um, and, and there's these big moments come um, like my, when I, after I blew my knee out and I came back, that's when line fights started and they were the first Muay Thai promotion here in the States that I was on national television. Like, awesome. This is great. This is finally like we're doing this. And like, and they were doing everything right. They were putting really great cards on there. And everyone from the amateurs all the way up to the pros is like, these are fights people want to see. People are going to come for the entire card. Um, people are going to want to tune in. They're going to want to bring their friends. And they were doing it correctly. They're having regular cards with high level people um, and, and building their audience like that, you know. But eventually, unfortunately, egos get involved, things happen, shows fall apart. Then you try to overcompensate by cutting some corners over here, um, putting a little more attention over here when it should have been across the board. And then it implodes on itself. And you were just this big fish in a, 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 a small pond and you didn't do anything really at all. Like you're gone now and it's almost like you weren't even here. Yeah. I kind of think back to like watching boxing with my father and you know, you could watch boxing on regular TV. Then it kind of went to HBO. You know, what was it? Boxing After Dark, something like that. And I remember watching that with my dad. And then the pay-per-view started coming along. And my father, by the way, is 85 years old. And I remember when pay-per-view started, he said, I'm not going to pay extra money. I'm already paying for TV. I'm paying for cable. I'm not going to pay for these fights. But then you would have the Tyson fights and you would have all of that. I mean, and people would dump money on watching this pay-per-view and then they would turn around like a Tyson fight 
Honestly, yeah. if you look back in the past, there were some that lasted what, like 45 seconds, you know, and then it yeah. was over and it was yeah. like, this is the same thing over and over, but where I think mixed martial arts or UFC or whatever, where that kind of turned that corner is you never knew if it was going to be a Muay Thai guy versus mm -hmm. a Greco-Roman wrestler or whatever because of the mixed martial arts. It wasn't the standard way of fighting where everybody mm -hmm. had to follow the same rules. It was almost like, here's this like little pamphlet that's like four sentences long of the rules. You know, don't <laughs> poke me in the eye and don't kick me in the nuts. And beyond that, I mean, pretty much anything goes. And you have all these different styles. And then people were uh -huh. saying, yeah, I'll go ahead and pump some money into this. I'll go ahead and have a, a fight party at my house, you know, and, and throw, you know, a hundred bucks and let everybody watch the fight and everything. So I think it was kind of that right time. Do you kind of feel that same way? Like is, is that moved in and kind of put boxing a little bit, you know, kind of in the corner, not to use a fighting uh, reference, I, yeah, I would but say, boxing in the corner say, yeah. and MMA up front? Yeah, I would say MMA is definitely, at the very least, threatening that and showing that they're a contender in that realm. Um, unfortunately, with, with many things, as they gain popularity, they tend to become watered down and they lose a lot of that edge that the, I would say, the, the pure fans appreciated about it. And then it just becomes this kind of monotone thing where it's like every time you know what to expect every fight's basically the same fight you're not you don't necessarily have these standouts and these personalities anymore because that isn't what is um promoted where you know if you go back a, a few years a lot of years now like when you used to look at pride in japan i would say that is the one thing they did better than anybody they knew that if they promoted the people that put on the great fights, not who wins the most, you know, not, not who does whatever it takes just to win. Um, you're going to promote excitement. Like people know if, if I just give it my all out there, it doesn't matter if I win or lose. I just give it everything that I have. I show my personality. I show who I am. And that may be them, you know, one of the biggest promotions in the entire world. Um, I think that is something that is lost uh, in the UFC now because they started cutting people right after they'd have one loss or if they weren't bringing in enough money. And so people just became these company men in a lot of ways. And I think, I think that does a disservice to the sport. I think we, I think what happens often is we forget that the fighters and the promoters are a, a unit. It's not a promoter. That's the, dictator of these peasants who are just doing whatever they can um you know it's like you you lose that fire you lose that passion you lose that personality and it's i think that's a difficult thing to maintain as you progress uh, particularly financially and you see that in everything music business art and everything else in order to gain popularity to the masses we tend to uh try to cut ourselves into this box you know and i i I feel like that is one of the worst problems in the world is that everyone's trying to fit into these boxes and we're all becoming robots. Like nobody wants to have an opinion anymore. No one has a personality anymore. Just do what I can to, to get my bills paid, to not rock the boat too much. Um, and then really what, what is the point of any of this? If, if we're not out here living and exploring and trying new things and 
just being who, who we are. And you could, you could say that across um, any spectrum, you know, whether it's uh, sports, fighting, uh, music, art, life in general. I, I feel that uh, I, I wish that was something we promoted more in this world. And that's something that I really try to um, convey and express, particularly in my journey and my upbringing and the things I had to go through and all the ups and downs of fighting and, you know, even in the first highlight reel I ever got made, I wanted to show all the ups and the downs. I didn't just, I didn't want to show me like beating the shit out of people. Like, yeah, that's cool and all, but it doesn't really give people a, um, a, a clear view of the, the spectrum of things you have to go through. Like if you want to do this, it's not just winning belts and making money. Well, it's definitely not making money, but you know, it's not, it's not just the glory days you have most of the time. It's the bad days that you have to deal with the majority of your career. The majority of your journey is going to be this struggle. And if you don't instill that in people, they don't believe they can do it because they weren't blessed with X, Y, and Z. Not that it comes with, yeah, just work, work your ass off, refuse to give up, keep going, keep setting your bar higher and higher and higher. You will be successful. If you just keep trying, you never give up. Yeah, sure, there's there's elements in there you can point to, but I don't think that we uh, are transparent enough with what success entails because we think it's the special thing when it's not necessarily all that special. Like the, the unifying factor between anyone that is successful is they just refuse to give up and they refuse to take a loss as a reason to quit. They took it as a reason to motivate themselves, to show them how to do it differently um, and that's the same for any uh, genre that, that there is. It's, it's no different. One thing I really enjoy doing is reading autobiographies and biographies because, because of that factor. Like, look at these successful people. You can't believe how many times they failed, what they had to go through, what they had to overcome, how many times they had to start over, how many times they almost made it and collapsed in on themselves and gave up and then started over again. The most successful people in the world. And I find that if more people understood that, I think it would motivate and encourage more people than to feel like, I think too often we just like let the, the unfair circumstances of life We're like, well, I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. This keeps happening to me. I wasn't born in the right place. I'm not the right complexion. I don't have the right body type. And like, cause I understood that. I mean, that was a big reason that I took so long to start is I felt that way too. Like, I'm, I'm too old. Uh, I'm too skinny. I'm not, uh, I'm not this aggressive, angry person. I'm not, a, I'm not a fighter, you know? So I, I, I let those things keep me from going after this for, for like a decade, you know? And then finally realizing that's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit that we tell ourselves. Um, and, and unfortunately that doesn't get um, communicated enough. Out yeah. There. Now this is probably the most, sorry, this is uh probably the most tenuous link ever, but you mentioned robots back a bit there. Now, I think um, a lot of people's introduction to kickboxing was through the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, Kickboxer probably, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the first two movies, I think, were pretty good because there was a lot of good kickboxing, but by about the third movie, he was fighting cyborgs and stuff, right? It kind of went the route of uh, Fast and the Furious where they started off, you know, underground car racing. And in the last movie, I think they went into space. But, um, you know, it's, it, it was difficult to kind of convince people that this was something you could realistically get into 
you know i mean certainly in england we didn't have as many dojos around you know of any type of martial arts i mean it i had to drive like an hour and a half to get you know go and do karate but yeah. you know the united states now it's like almost every other strip mall has a martial arts you know place yeah. there but what what do you think can really be done to probably improve the image of individual martial arts because now a lot of them are getting lumped in together all this mixed martial arts i think people are kind of losing a little bit of respect for each individual yeah. martial art because i yeah. know if you want to be you know well-rounded mma fighter ufc that you've got to either understand or embrace other fighting styles because you might be hit with something or be approached in some way which you know your normal style of attack and defense doesn't deal with as well if you were fighting a pure kickboxer you know, yeah. what do you think can be done to, you know, protect the individualism and the culture and the history of something like kickboxing so it doesn't get lost in this merging in this umbrella of UFC and MMA? Yeah, uh, like a lot of things, it comes with um, education, you know, having the people who are the experts in those fields um present this to people so a lot of people it's like you don't know what you don't know so you assume that what you're being taught what you understand is a, a certain degree until someone like shatters your all your belief system like i, I didn't know what, what i was doing you know it's like what happens a lot of times people uh, go to thailand it's a rude awakening when you have a child that's like 90 pounds tossing you around like like you're an infant you know, it's like, okay, so there's, there's a lot more to this than I understood. Uh, even if you understand that to actually experience it is uh, pretty eye-opening, you know, it's like, okay, so there, there is no end to this and I'm always going to be a child. Um, and I, you know, I, for myself though, I, I feel like I had a, that kind of perspective already where my goal which is an unattainable goal like i'm never going to get there so no matter what i'm always a child in this like even now i feel very much like a, a beginner in a lot of ways and i think that's allowed me to uh, communicate with just people that are starting out because i, I like i understand that i i feel that way too <laughs> you know I, i've been doing this for 20 years but i i feel like a child particularly even just compared to other fighters that have been doing it for so much longer um the problem there is there there are so few particularly in this country that there are there's such few people who have taken it to that extent you know and if if those people aren't passing that information along and particularly if people coming up aren't um, taking that same journey and willing to um, jump out of this bowl and go over to the deep waters and really learn what it is you know it's, it's it's a difficult task to undertake how to how to do that and it's like like a lot of things you know it, it can be very frustrating and it's like you want i used to have this uh fantasy idea of traveling around the country and like exposing all of these phony teachers who were passing this information along they're like, oh yeah that'd be great that'd be a cool show i'm like yeah but is that really helpful it's like what are you doing you're just being an asshole <laughs> driving around be like this is dog shit I'm like who, who lets you do get to decide who who is and who isn't like that that's never a helpful thing all we can ever do it i think in, in anything is try to promote and educate and share the information and hopefully people take it and if they don't um there's really nothing you can do about it you can't 
Um, fighting against a thing typically only encourages that thing. Promoting the opposite of whatever that thing is 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 kind of all you can ever do, um, it, or in especially long term. You know, short term, yeah, sure, that might it might feel good and it might help for a momentarily, but that's usually going to backfire in a lot of ways uh, and create more of a problem that you're trying to fix. So, I don't know. I think I think always, uh, you know, I try to share. A lot of the a lot of the fights that I watch coming up, you know, most people never even heard of this stuff. You know, especially now, it's like you can just go online, you can type all this shit in. When I was coming up, <laughs> we had to go down to the freaking uh, VHS tape store that down in Thai Town, and they they'd have tapes from Lumpini like a month ago. Um, like it was crazy, you know. Like that's what we had to do, even even to see what 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 was going on in Thailand right now. That, that's all we could do where now you'd like you can watch a live stream of these fights for free all the time every week you know so it's i think most people just don't even don't even know that that's a, out there so just to just to put that stuff out there to show it and like you know you plant that seed of, of like oh wow I, I didn't know like yeah there's a whole uh, library of this stuff and it's every day. There's, there's, there's so much. There's so much you don't know. So just open that window. It expands exponentially from that point. Right. You know, kind of like you say, I mean, it's not, you know, what you can go get at the video store or what's on network TV or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. So kind of going back to one of the things you mentioned, and I'm very curious about this. You talked about reading biographies and autobiographies and all that good stuff. So can you tell me what the last biography slash autobiography you read was and kind of, you know, uh, about that and one that maybe we need to read, not necessarily the last one that you read, but one that just kind of stands out in your mind that says, man, I, I read this biography or autobiography and it just kind of, you know, changed you. Yeah. I think the last one that I read was Anthony Kiedis's book, which is just, man, that poor guy, like to what he went through as a child and like, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't get into it, but it's pretty. It's pretty remarkable that that guy's alive <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. You know, and just his childhood alone is like, how did? How, I don't. I don't understand how you came out like a functional human being, and then everything from that point on. Um, so that's actually, I, I would. I, that's a book I'd highly recommend. Really, really well written. Really easy to read. Very, very vivid and colorful, and you know, you really, you really feel everything in the story. I really like that one. Uh, Mickey Ward's book as well is another one that I, I really loved. He actually, you know, a lot of books, they'd like say the person wrote it, but you can tell they didn't write it. His, his, his was more of the ones like you can, you can really hear his mannerisms and the way he speaks. And yeah, I'm certain, I'm certain he had somebody helping him out with it and made it better. But, but I felt like that was one of the ones that that individual really had a, a, a say in and a part in a, writing so that those are two um, one of my favorite uh, books is um unbroken uh lou zamperini book uh, they actually made a movie about it a couple of years back which if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna do both watch the movie first then read the book don't read the book and then watch the movie because it'll it sucks in comparison but any but any movie made off a book typically is just horrible especially a long book like that that has so much information you know and then you watch the book they're trying to cram all that into two hours 
Um, but that was really, that's a book I would highly recommend, particularly people that are like, like overcoming adversity, you know, and countless times over and over and over again. And it really is just that, that unifying element that is like, I just, I just won't give up. I refuse to give up and what you can overcome and go through and uh, accomplish just, just having that inside of you is, is a pretty remarkable thing. Yeah. So uh, kind of follow up to that, what's next on the biography slash autobiography list, or is there one out there that you're like, man, I'm so busy. I can't find time to read it, but you know what? I've got to read this next one. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much always in the state of reading like three or four books at a time. Um, I just read like pages here and there and, it's hard for me to just sit down and read a book. Um, the only time I was ever really able to do that is like when I had a fight coming up or something, cause it's like, there's literally nothing else I can be doing right now. Like I'm not going to go get stuck watching TV. I'm not going to be playing games. I'm going to be like laying in bed, exhausted. Um, uh, even more so when I'd go overseas because you know, you're so isolated and alone. So I would read, I would read a lot um, in f- kind of fight camps. Um, but now I'm reading, uh, what's that the thing? Um, Marcus Aurelius's, um, notes, what's it called? The, uh, whatever his writings, which is really cool. And it has a lot of, uh, backstory and stuff in it. So it's been, that's, that's what I'm currently reading, but I actually haven't been reading as much as I used to. So I'm trying to get back into the flow of everything and, uh, get back to my own writings and stuff too. So like, I've been working on my own book for a long time. And I, I promised I'd have it done like two years ago. And then I just, you know, with, with my retirement and everything and then COVID and everything, I, I, it's like, I'm almost putting off picking it back up again because it just kind of takes over so much. And it's such a, um, it is a very emotional process, like going back through your life and reliving a lot of stuff like that. So I think I'm kind of, uh, keeping myself from going back in there, but, but I'm, I need to, uh, get back on it here soon. Yeah. Now you mentioned um, you've, you're doing some writing. I mean, you authored a book. Was it Dancing with Senchai? And um, yeah, so I've actually yeah. two books. Um, that that one's like mine. My my biography on that that fight and that fight camp and that journey. So that's that's all about that and what it entails. And then the uh, the soul book is a collaboration book, which has a lot of miscellaneous uh, writings and um, just it's like a coffee table book almost like there's just random thoughts there there are a few like written out pages of, of concepts and things like that as well as um a little bit of that. it has a little bit of some of my artworks in there and it's a it's a it's kind of a collaboration piece like that yeah yeah now i noticed actually that um you're pretty good at art and i say that because we're <laughs> terrible at art um we are extremely terrible yeah, at you art. don't know how terrible i mean we're not no exaggeration but um <laughs> Was uh, writing something which you turned to later on in life because it's like therapeutic, cathartic, or were you kind of pretty uh, creative, you know, from a young age? Yeah, I, yeah, I've been I've been creative since birth, basically, but more so in the artistic drawing way. Uh, I did. I, I wouldn't say I really wrote in school or anything, but whenever I did write and have assignments and stuff, my teachers were always like, wow, you're, you write really well. And um, I, I have this one uh, story about when I was in school and we had to do a book report and I, I didn't read the freaking book. 
I just read, I read the back flap and then I just made everything up. And uh, my teacher, so she gives me an A on the paper, but she's like, I know you didn't read this book, but it was a writing class, not a reading class. She was like, you wrote so well, um, you know, kind of encouraged me to do that. And again, it wasn't one of those things I ever really put any thought into, but later on in life, you know, that kind of stuck with me. And then through fighting and through a lot of my international travels and stuff, I just started keeping journals, you know, and um, just for myself. So I could remember all this craziness, <laughs> just madness that people would think is something out of a movie that was, you know, my life. And one day I just put up one of my writings online, just not even really thinking about it. And, uh, you know, people kept contacting me saying how much they enjoyed it and how much they felt like they were there with me and, um, you know, that really encouraged me like, oh, maybe, maybe I should do this more often, you know? So, so I would always write when it came to my fights. Um, and again, always my overseas fights, but, but any of my big fights and stuff, I would always just keep a journal, you know, my thoughts, just training daily kind of stuff. And through that, you know, I started writing more and more, just, just daily thoughts kind of thing. And sometimes I would put stuff up and, you know, it's it's just one of those things that uh, it developed over time. Yeah. And, and, and later on in life, I just kind of progressed in it and it became something where now I do feel more like a writer where before it just was like, hey, it's just something I kind of do. But now I, I actually try to do it good and better. Um, and even, even now when I'm reading books and stuff, I'm like, okay, like seeing how people write, the, the way they express certain things, the stuff I like, the stuff I don't like. I mean, a lot of stuff in, in my writings, like I never wanted it to be like this polished up, boring kind of thing. Like, I don't care if it's accurate or, or, or uh, figure right spelling or the right pronunciation. Like, I want people to hear my voice when they read this. I don't want them to hear some dude sitting in an office that, that, that tore all this up and just took these pieces out. So, but even in that, I'm still trying to uh, convey it in a, in a better way, in a more eloquent way and um, something that has uh, flavor and uh, um, something you can feel because a lot of, I think a lot of the way that I used to write was just very factual. Like I did this today, I did this day, I did this day, I did this today. And that was it. Okay. Tomorrow I did this, 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 this. And then I went back and I'm like, yeah, this, maybe we should uh, spice that up a little bit. Yeah. It's like, it's good for me. Cause it's like, I, all I need is that memory and it triggers everything else. But most people, they, it's like, they don't have the, these memories in their head that they can feel when they're reading this. So I try to try to think about that now when I'm, when I'm writing that somebody else is reading this that has no idea what's what I'm, my thought process is. And now they're just reading facts and that's pretty boring. Now, have you been tempted to write a script or a screenplay of like your own life? Have you kind of thought about maybe going into some kind of like TV stuff or is that not yeah. you really want to go into writing for that thing? Uh, so actually a couple of years ago, shit, it's probably been like 10 years ago now. Um, someone I knew who was a screenwriter wanted to do that and take my life and make a screenplay about it. So I worked with her over several years and did develop. I mean, I do actually have one. I've never done anything with it, but it's a, uh, it's a script just really about my journey and um, starting martial arts. Really it goes all the way up until right when I start and then a little, a little bit after there and kind of, kind of compresses it all into a, a shorter story of, of, my career. Um, but yeah, not for myself. No, it's not ever been anything I've 
really thought too much about doing, although I might now that I'm, <laughs> I'm not fighting there, find some other stuff to occupy my time with. Yeah, no. So let's say you put this screenplay together, right? And it, you've got the movie of Kevin Ross's life. Who plays you in the movie? Danny DeVito. You've got to insist it's no, Danny DeVito. No, it See be. what his range is like, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, Danny DeVito is a great actor. Yeah, let's yeah. not get that wrong. See if you but, pull that off. Yeah. yeah. That's tough, man. I mean, I, I feel like there's maybe been a handful of good fight movies ever done. It's I would say it's an extremely difficult genre to make a realistic as well as an entertaining film about it's it's such a tough uh tough thing to do i i don't uh you know you're almost you're almost uh, setting yourself up for failure by trying to do a, a fight movie uh, particularly on a fighter's life like you know but but i think again a lot of a lot of problems people have is when they're not they don't have someone maybe who lived that so they don't have like a consultant who's like, yeah, this is stupid. That would never happen. Don't do that. You have you have non-fight people trying to make fight movies. I, I actually experienced this with a, I did a video game shoot for this a VR. Um, I don't remember what, I think Adidas was doing it or one of the one of the big sporting companies. So we were doing this VR thing at the gym um, and the producer thing, I was like, <laughs> trying to tell me this stuff to do that would look cool. Like, why don't you just ask me what I do and build off of that instead of coming up with this concept? Like, you've never even been in a gym in your entire life, and you think you're going to make a video game about fighting. You're here with an expert who has a, 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 a 20 years of experience. You think you'd ask me what my thoughts are on that, but they didn't. So I just let them do their, their stuff. But I, I, I find that ha often happens in, in film industries, um, you know, the idea is great, but not getting the resources in order to make this good. So most people with relative fight education, are, they, I mean, you see right through that, even when you don't, so you feel something's hokey, you know, something's a little off. I think the one good thing about like Van Damme and those guys, like they kind of leaned into that. A little bit, you know, it's not like they weren't trying to necessarily make it authentic. You know, it's like, oh, this is a movie. This is movie fighting. This is um, like martial arts fighting. It's not real fighting. It's like you can't do both. You know, you got to if you want to if you want it to be real and genuine, then you need to make it real and genuine and, you know, get get that depth of character, get that realistic fighting. Like realistic fighting isn't exciting. Uh, I mean, in the ring, it is certainly um, but uh, like street fighting is like it's it's brutal and it's ugly and it's nasty and it doesn't sound nice <laughs> and it's 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 not fun to see. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange how it is difficult to represent on screen because you've got sports like soccer and, you know, it's the most popular sport in the world. But there's been very few popular soccer movies. It's a very hard yeah. sport, you know, to do a movie about and with you know, martial arts, a lot of the sensationalism has 
been got out of the way early on because all the first martial arts movies we saw, were, yeah. like I said, there was mu wasn't much differentiation between those characters and superheroes. And, you know, it got to a point I thought, all right, yeah, this is exaggerated too much. I'll watch, you know, an Asian martial arts movie, you know, that'll probably be more realistic. And so the first movie I ended up watching was uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where people were jumping from leaf to leaf in trees and doing <laughs> all these twills. And I thought, well, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think you're ever going to really have a realistic entertainment martial arts movie. I mean, certainly, you know, if, you, if somebody did a biography like you did it on your life, the martial mm -hmm. arts is almost a secondary point to that story. I mean, it is the focus in yeah. terms of your life story, your development and where you are now, but you almost have to kind of squeeze that into a minor part to yeah. really make that movie accessible to the masses to get your character out because character development in martial arts movies isn't really much past you know, man of yeah. Angie's father killed by the Yakuza <laughs> or whatever. They don't really go part, past that much, mm. you know. So um, I, I can un kind of understand the reluctance with that. Now, I did have a question. Have you ever been represented in any type of video game or anything? Not that I know of. No, I don't think so. Yeah, because that, that no. would annoy the crap out of me. Because if I was if I was represented in a computer game, I'd have to sit there till I beat every single character, and it, I think I'd just be overcritical at the stats. I mean, I've had I've had like, people I've had people build like games where you can build the characters. Yeah. and they make me in there, and then they send me like what that is. And, and you've not done that yourself. You've not sat there and made yourself. No. <laughs> I don't know if you're telling the truth there, Kevin, because uh, that'd be the first thing I'd do. It's so weird. <laughs> No, I remember I, I knew a guy uh, years ago when I was playing a lot of video games, playing football video games, and he was like a, a backup, uh, like defensive back for the Denver Broncos. And uh -huh. so I, I was playing a season, and because I knew this guy, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be the Denver Broncos. And so I'm playing the season on the game, and literally he got hurt in like the second game of the season, I called him up. I'm like, Hey, I've been playing this game and you got hurt in the like second game. And now you're out. And he's like, Oh man, that sucks. And no kidding. Like, I think it was like four or five games into that season. He got hurt in there. And I'm like, Oh man, did I like put the kibosh on him because I called Probably. him because he got hurt in the video game or whatever. So I can, yeah, I can put totally that in his see. head. Yeah. I, maybe. Maybe I'm responsible for the end of his NFL yeah, career. Um, maybe yeah. I shouldn't have shared that. Mm. Hopefully he's not listening. Yeah. So. Now, it's like, yeah, I had this dream that you lost really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've heard you play a little bit of piano. Are you pretty good at it, or is this something you're kind of trying out? Because, again, that's one area where I, I, I sound more like pushing a piano down the stairs when you're playing it. Um, I can play a little bit. I uh, I dabble. I would say I, there there's some songs I can play relatively well. It's uh it's it's uh, it's self taught. You know, I just uh, study study other people playing, and I'll, I'll play stuff. So I wouldn't say I'm like definitely not a pianist in any way. Or uh, uh, but I, I think I've always been. I don't want to say I, I say I'm artistically inclined. Where whatever that art is, I can kind of understand it, whether it's whatever the medium is, you know, whether it's a, a painting or music or culinary or football. I've always, I feel like I've always been able to play at least well enough to enjoy myself. You know, I'm never, you know, if I'm driven to do it, I, I can excel in these things, but I think I've always been naturally 
gifted to have an understanding of kind of how things work, you know, by um, I'm very much a visual learner. So when it came to martial arts, I'm like you telling me anything isn't helping me at all. Like I, all I need to do is see it and I, I feel it. Uh, I used to skateboard when I was a kid. And that was always something that was a lesson that really clicked in my mind is I knew if I could see myself doing it in my head, I could do, there's no question I could do it because I could, I could feel what that person in my head was doing and the motions they were going through. And then it just clicked like that. And so that, that's, that's been in a lot of things with, with, uh, again, all these different kind of mediums is something for whatever reason, I have a, just a understanding of how certain things kind of operate and, you know, obviously with practice and development, um, I can figure it out a little bit. Yeah. Makes sense. So what's next for you? I mean, you've got, you've got this whole life that, I mean, it literally, you should be like 85 years old by now. Right. But I'm almost done. uh, Oh, is the chicken ready? Is she saying the, the chicken, chicken's been ready? For, oh, for man. we're holding, we're no, holding up good. dinner. We're holding up uh, dinner. No, we, no, uh, we're about done. So what's next for you, Kevin? Yeah, that's, uh, that's really been something that's, uh, you know, I feel, I feel sometimes we kind of pressure ourselves into like figuring it out right now. Like, you know, like when you're a kid, it's like, well, what am I going to do? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's like, well, what do you like to do? You know, what are you drawn more towards? So, after you know, my last fight was in June. So since then, it's just been kind of, you know, decompressing in a lot of ways from that, getting used to this new um, season in life where that isn't my driving focus and force anymore. And, um, you know, just kind of, kind of being comfortable in the interim, you know, and t- t- I'm still teaching a little bit, training a little bit, um, you know, doing what I can here and there, but uh, yeah, that is the, uh, what I'm trying to figure out at the moment, where, where to take it. Cause you know, as you said, I do have all these elements and aspects of my life. It's just, what do I want to put my time and attention into in order to develop it? Most of the time I'm just juggling stuff constantly. Um, and just whatever, whatever comes up, you know, <laughs> now, I'm getting stuff thrown in. <laughs> now, now earlier, to, earlier today. See, now, good. now we really want to try to yeah. get you in trouble just yeah. to, just to see what, what might go in yeah. the background. No, we, no, we're almost done. Kevin. Yeah. Um, earlier on, Max went to follow you on Instagram and it came up with this warning of, um, Oh, yeah. the person you're about to follow, uh, oh, may, yeah. may or not, may not provide false information. So I think <laughs> number one, you need to start your, uh, backup Instagram account immediately. But secondly, what have you been posting oh that gosh. has got you into the rough? Oh, uh, send me a screenshot of that. Yeah. I'll send you a screenshot yeah, of we'll, it. We'll yeah. They, uh, yeah. they shadow banned me like two month, three oh, yeah. months ago. Well, you know what's going to happen? Yeah. There's going to be nobody in your house allowed to use social media at this point. Man. I, I, you know, <laughs> You know, like, it's like, uh, what are you trying to give people signals that they're doing things correctly? Like, no, uh, absolutely. Why are you censoring these people? Yeah, I mean, no. that's a whole other, yeah. that's a whole other thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we'll dig into that maybe on another episode and, and we know, you know, the chicken's ready and we don't want your dinner to get cold. So Kevin, Thank Hey, you. thanks for joining us. Can you, hey, thank let, you guys. let everybody know how to find you on social media? Although we've already given the warning that if they do find you on yeah. Instagram, they're going to get that warning and all that good yeah. stuff, but tell everybody how they can find you. I am a, uh, apparently a dangerous person to follow. Um, so, Instagram and uh, Twitter, 
both Soul Assassin DA Soul Assassin. Um, a, a lot of times you have you have to actually type the entire thing out because it won't pop up um, because I'm dangerous. Yes, uh, actually, that is a hundred percent true. Because when I was trying to follow your Instagram, I did have to type the whole thing out to find it. There so you there you go. Um, Told you. Well. Cool, Kevin. Well, hey, by the way, enjoy your dinner. I hope that is some fabulous chicken you're about to eat. And that will that will <laughs> that will do it for this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Kevin, once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we My will buddy. catch you on the next one. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd Podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, thewolfandtheshepherd.com, to your friends and colleagues. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes when you get a chance. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for additional content. Join us next time for another episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Ooh.